Hello, fellow listeners. I'm excited about today's episode release. We are now in season two of the New Americans podcast and can't wait to release more episodes. Today, with us, we have Luz Garcia, who holds a Master's of Public Health from California State University, Long Beach. Luz travels a lot, and to put it into perspective, this past summer, she traveled to more than 12 countries. Today, Luz is going to talk to us about traveling in Russia while Russia invades Ukraine. Her experience trying to get out is one of suspense, and I hope everyone can become insightful of the real-world developments. Moving forward, here we go. Let's listen. It's been a while, uh, Abraham, that we've even done a podcast interview or discussed anything. I think it's been like we have talked on this. So um, we have this great opportunity. But tell us um, what you've been up to and, and what and what uh, why why have you been slacking, Abraham? <laughs> oh, you know, I've got so many um uh, you know what I've been doing? This is funny. I'm a total uh, COVID bro because I've been doing a lot of construction work, actually, which I'd never done before. I'm renovating my parents' bathroom. I do it all the time. In fact, your uncle Henado was just helping me to do some tiles. I don't think you knew that. No, I didn't. That's awesome. Yeah, he's a really sharp guy. He, yeah, helped, yeah. he helped me repair my car once. I don't think you know that either. Yeah. No, I don't. What the heck? Yeah, like we changed the clutch in an old Honda that I wow. had. I know. Um, more importantly, I think we got somebody else with us that we don't usually have, right? Yes, I'm so excited to hear this conversation because we have. It's like in the news right now. It's like dominating. Uh, but more than anything, I just want to know her experience. Let's introduce Luz. Um, Luz Garcia, thank you so much for joining us today. Yeah, no problem. Happy to be here. I just want to know how this was. I, I haven't talked to Luz <laughs> about this, and I'm excited now. Well, great. Well, today on The New Americans, we're going to talk to Luz, uh, who is just back from Russia unexpectedly. Um, and the reason that's so relevant is because today is March 3rd, and uh, Russia invaded Ukraine less than a week ago. And Luz, how long have you been back in the United States? I've been back about three days. Okay. Well, maybe you could take us back to when you left the United States. Where were you headed? And what was the reason for your trip? Tell us, tell us sort of the lead in. Um, and then we kind of go from there, if you don't mind. Yeah, sure. So, um, I mean, really, this was a pretty spontaneous trip. I saw the opportunity. It was like, you know, I have a three-day weekend coming up. I can combine that with some PTO and have myself a little vacation. Um, my plan was to go to Russia. I Just from back home, I'm pretty, like, athletic and sports-driven. So I really like dance, and I've been watching uh, dance a dance studio from Russia that I've really admired for probably a year or two years now. And, you know, I've had it on my radar. I've had it on my list. I'm going to go there. I'm going to go there. Different reasons. For example, this year I was planning to go to Russia during the summer, um, but then the, all the things with the pandemic happened. I couldn't process a visa. So, you know, that was put on hold. Fast forward to, I believe it was November the uh, Russian embassy was now accepting visas. So I went ahead, applied. And then again, fast forward to when was it February that I already had my visa in hand by I think, early January. So I was just like, I need to go. I, I processed this visa, I paid for it, I have to go. Yeah, so February, it, and I don't know what date exactly it was, I believe it was maybe the 18th, it was a Friday, um, right before this um, three day weekend booked my flight maybe two weeks before um, the actual uh, day I left and landed in, well, actually, so I booked my flight, went to Finland, Helsinki, and then from Helsinki took about an, maybe less than an hour flight to St. Petersburg. And uh, yeah, so I was in St. Petersburg. My plan was just to be there about a week and head back home. Little did I know my flight was going to be canceled and it was going to get really, really hard to get out of Russia. 
Wow. Okay. So you landed um, around February 18th, you said, approximately? Yeah, it was basically um, traveled Friday evening, got there Saturday. I was in St. Petersburg probably by like Saturday evening as well. So, yeah. yeah, St. Petersburg, the old capital of uh, Russia, which I know is supposed to be quite a, a scenic and beautiful European country. What was what did it seem like when you arrived? Um, that's correct. So, I mean, when I arrived, honestly, also, I should actually mention I was terrified. I was terrified. Um, I have often been traveling alone, but it's still something pretty new for me. And I mean, obviously, also like as a woman, young woman traveling alone, you might imagine, of course, like why? one might be a little bit anxious. So I remember actually right before I got dropped off, um, so I didn't mention it right now, but I'm Mexican-American. Um, I um, My mom dropped me off LA, LAX actually. And then, you know, I just, I've, I was quiet the whole ride. And as soon as she's saying her goodbyes, I just, I, I just tell her, tengo miedo, meaning I'm scared. <laughs> and I was just like, I don't know why, I just have this bad feeling and I'm scared. And she's just like, you know, like, it's, it's going to be fine. You'll be okay. Like, like any mom, right? I'm just kind of supporting you. And anyway, so when I arrived, I, I mean, it was very dark. I couldn't see anything. It was very cold. I could see there was some snow. So I, I was very, as a California girl, I was very taken by that. Yeah, I mean, the scene there, it was very calm. At least when I got to like my Airbnb stay, um, I just noticed, oh, this is winter, winter. But everything else was really calm. It looked like it was a very beautiful city, but I still couldn't see much because of it was pretty, it was pretty late anyway, at least it you could tell it gets dark pretty early. Um, yeah, let me let me ask you really quick, because even though, um, let's see, it's only been about 10 days since that happened. But um, I'm, I'm going and I'm clocking back in my head. Let's see, when did, when was there kind of a drumbeat and a lot of news that was saying, you know, there's a very, there's a possibility of an invasion. You know, President Biden was on TV saying there might be, what, had that happened yet? Or what news was there? Did you have any inkling that there was um, like this possible conflict? Um, the week that I was leaving, so the week that I was leaving was uh, the week of the 14th. I left on the 18th. I'm looking at a calendar now um, and landed on the 19th. So, I mean, there was already at least like um, news that there was that conflict was escalating or that there could be that, that there was a potential of conflict. Um, I know, for example, I had a lot of family and friends reaching out. They're like, are you sure? And maybe it was a little bit naive for myself, but I just felt comfortable. I was like, there's no way something's going to happen so quickly. I'm just going to be there a week. I should be okay. Like come in, I'll go in and out. Um, I also have like some friends who are from Russia. So I contacted them as well. And I was just like, Hey, like, what are you hearing? Are you watching um, Russian news or um, how do you feel about this? And for the most part, I was told, yeah, it just seems like a lot of talk. Um, they were, I feel like they were actually, I feel like they were more calm about it than um, Americans or like people watching American um, news and I also reached out, so I went to Ukraine in the summer, so I also reached out to my Ukrainian friends, and I was like, hey, what's the deal? What's happening? Um, is it dangerous? And actually, most of them also told me, or at least I had two individuals tell me, like, no, everything's fine. They're like, it's just the news. Um, they were kind of saying something along the lines, like, it seems like American news is really blowing this out of proportion. Um, so at least you know, getting that reassurance, especially from individuals who were from Ukraine, Russia, I was just like, okay, I'm, I'm okay. <laughs> but really, I would say like the day, let's say, um, things, you know, took a turn. I, when was it? I, I believe it was possibly, it was certainly, it was actually um, Sunday, the 27th, um, that I just knew, okay, you know, like everything went bad in the sense like, okay, now flights are canceled. Um, war was already declared. And, but I will say there was, at least I did get like sort of a red flag before that, which was either the 24th or the 25th of February. Um, I was going on a taxi to a museum and then all of a sudden my card gets declined. And I was just like, okay, this is weird. Um, my card's been working the whole time. I know I have funds in it. Why is it being declined? So fortunately, I did have some rubles with me and I was able to pay everything. But I mean, at least that was my first red flag where I was just like, I think something's wrong. 
Wow. Okay. This is unbelievably fascinating. I do want to, um, I want to ask you about that and sort of what it felt like in, in, with, you know, sort of behind this wall, but also yeah. I think, I think we should take a quick step back and just say, you know, um, you're, you're, um, from Los Angeles. I mean, you're from Los Angeles, you're Mexican American. Uh, uh, maybe you can tell us a little bit about your work, but actually the reason I'm getting at this is, um, I'm very fascinated. You have friends in Ukraine and in Russia. That's unusual. Do you want to, t- and we were going to ask you about your friends. So maybe you can tell us really quick how that came about. Yeah, sure. So at least the friends that I made in Ukraine, um, similar reason. So I traveled to Ukraine during the summer. I wanted to actually take, so I went to language school to learn Russian. I mean, as much as you can learn in one month, right? Um, but I did go to language school um, to learn Russian in Ukraine because uh, Russia was closed at this, at this point for Americans because of the pandemic. Um, there, I also took some dance classes. So most of the friends that I met were really um, the instructors from dance, uh, some of the students that I got acquainted with, and even just um, other people that I just met day to day. I mean, you walk, you look different, people come up to you, they start asking you where are you from and whatnot, and you just make some acquaintances. So those are my friends from Ukraine. And then um, friends from Russia, so they actually live in the States, but they grew up in Russia. And maybe at least the friend that I'm speaking about, she probably immigrated here um, some three, four years ago. Um, So she's around... I believe she's 21. She got here maybe when she was 17. So, um, so I mean, she grew up most of her life in Russia. And um, just from her, I've met a couple other individuals that I know from there. And then she has her family there. I'm a little bit familiar with them as well. Wow, that's a very interesting. Well, uh, it sounds like you get to know a lot of people. That's exciting. Um, and in this case, it lent you an unexpected adventure, right? So yeah. um, just going back, if you don't mind, um, you, you know, you came in from Helsinki, you, you, you land in St. Petersburg, you have a plan to visit, I think you said, um, a dance studio. I mean, what, what was your plan? How long were you going to stay? And how did that play out sort of maybe before things got serious? How, were, yeah. how was St. Petersburg? I mean, St. Petersburg was great, and um, I was planning to stay a little less than 10 days. That was my original trip plan, Um, and even as everything was happening, because I was checking in with my friends, with my family, um, probably every day. Yeah, and maybe I I missed, like, one day at one point, but I was checking in pretty often, and, of course, they would let me know, you know, we're, we're seeing all the news happening, and I was just letting them know. I mean, I was just like, St. Petersburg is normal. Um, I know I don't speak fluent Russian, but I feel like I could understand enough to hear if even um, the, you know, the natives were talking about this conflict and I'm not hearing anything. Everyone is, everything looks business as usual. There's no commotion. Um, I mean, honestly, even the day that there was a protest actually in St. Petersburg, I was about... So I was staying maybe twenty minute a twenty minute drive from uh, the Winter Palace, which is actually where around where the protest took place, and I I did not I, I had to hear from someone in the U.S. that there was a protest in St. Petersburg to find out that there was a protest. I had no idea. Um, I was actually even taken back by the at least the people that I was interacting at the dance studio. Like no one was talking about. It. And I was just like, oh, it, this is so weird. Like, it almost feels like you can't talk about it. And for example, even for myself, I was very hesitant to even ask other individuals, like, hey, what do you think about what's happening? Because it almost felt scary. Like, it's something that, you know, like the elephant in the room you're not supposed to talk about. Oh, let's let's probe down on that a little. Because it could be on the one hand that, that there was such a low level of awareness and certainly in Western reporting, I've, I've been talking with some some of my friends or colleagues, just trying to get a feel for what Russia, especially now things are opening up more, I believe, inside Russia in terms of knowledge. But um, I guess, as I was saying, um, you know, one of two things can be going on. One is that they actually kind of don't know or their level of knowledge is lower than even like your family back in the L.A. watching NBC or whatnot. Mm-hmm. Um, or on the other hand, and it's probably a mix of both, right? On the other hand, it's sort of like, well, there's not much we can do. Maybe it's, you know, we're going to whistle past the graveyard because it's 
more comfortable that way. I mean, what's your feel for that? What do you, how much, how much do you think they understood or knew about what was going on? Yeah, well, I definitely think they understood what was going on. And the reason why I say this is just because um, at least, so for example, you know, um, just the different people I was meeting, we would follow each other on social media. So I could sort of at least see, you know, into a little bit into their thoughts as what they're sharing on social media and whatnot. And actually a, f- a couple, maybe a- at least two individuals that, um, that live in Russia and are Russian, they posted something along the lines. As, I mean, some, I'm, some of these individuals, they actually speak. Um, will make their post because they actually have a really big following in the dance community. They'll make their post in Russian and English. So this was the case for um, one of the dancers. And I remember her posting something along the lines that like, it's not that Russian people are trying to turn a blind eye, but it's the, it's that um, there are severe consequences from the Russian government if you speak up. And one thing I, I remember was uh, something along the lines like you could spend up to 10 years in jail for voicing an opinion that's against Russia, you know, a, a sort of taking a stand against this war, like protest, whether it's protesting or even sharing something on your social media could get you in really big trouble. So it, it sort of became clear that um, there's definitely... A, we don't have as much, I mean, that in Russia, and I think people wouldn't be surprised that there's not so much freedom as there is for, you know, other people in different countries to, to speak, to speak out and voice their opinion. But of course, I mean, I, I do acknowledge even from just watching what was happening with the protests in St. Petersburg online. I mean, there are individuals that did take a stand, but I, I think it's, it's still very scary for others, even if they want to. I can see how, you know, for different reasons, you just might not because of the possible consequences. Wow. So it sounds like it really was a combination of um, it's probably more comfortable psychologically to sort of try and just go go on with things, but also a, a sense that it would be unwise to say too much, perhaps. Yeah, correct. And... I mean, and also, I think um, one thing that's worth mentioning, I was obviously began following it once things really um, took a turn. I began following it as well through the lens of like of my Ukrainian friends who were many of them. So I went to the capital of Kiev and I was also in the city of Kharkov um, at one point. So I knew individuals from both and you know, watching everything that they were posting, because at first I, I myself wasn't sure what was happening, but, you know, it, I thought it was so interesting. And I, I, I continue to believe this. It's very interesting how we're going to digest these experiences today. If you think about, you know, um, World War One, World War Two, we certainly weren't digesting it almost live on our phones. Um, so, you know, following my friends' experiences, reaching out to to them as I was seeing things like, "Are you okay? Where are you going? Um, are you leaving the country?" It's it's been really just a really crazy experience. Wow. Well, let's talk about that. Um, just trying to trying to stay on a bit of a timeline here. So again, you arrived nineteen the twentieth um, here in the U.S. I, I recall pretty distinctly that on the twenty third and twenty fourth. You basically had a, you know, you had a speech by the president of Russia, Putin, uh, you know, basically laying claim to much of this area, you know, to the Ukraine, certainly to Ukraine. And then on the 24th is when I believe we saw incursions. That was a Thursday, you know, people mm-hmm. called that the invasion. Um, and is that about, you know, what, what was the reaction in Russia or did it take a few days? I'm hearing it took a few days. And then maybe we can turn then to your friends in Ukraine and ask, you know, what were they thinking? What were they doing on those days? So it certainly did take a few days, at least uh, for even myself to notice any changes um, or have any effect in Russia. Um, For example, I could tell you, like, during those days, I was definitely getting, like, concerning concerning messages of concern from my friends back in the States. and maybe when I got a little bit even more concerned was when my friend who is Russian, where she's just like, I'm scared for you. And I think you need to leave the country. And 
you know, and I, really, I, I sort of blew off her message. I just told her, hey, no, everything's business as usual. Nothing is happening. Everything's calm here. I have two more days. I think I should be okay. And um, it sort of said, you know, it, thanks for the concern. She's actually, actually, I should have mentioned that she's half Ukrainian, half Russian. So she has um, some grandparents in Ukraine. And I could talk a little bit more about that as well. Um, so... I guess uh, now moving towards the the thoughts that were shared for my Ukrainian friends. I mean, immediately there there was you know they were posting um, not only sort of videos of very um, almost like far videos of like something is happening, but it, like there's some invasion happening, but it's still not very close to them. So even then, it they it looked like it's gonna get bad, but at least they still look safe. And then slowly these videos started escalating to, you know, um, videos. I remember of one of my instructors, she has a, a maybe two-year-old daughter and she's under the subway sitting down with her. And, you know, this is a bomb shelter now. And you're just like, I mean, watching that, that's when I'm just like, wow, this is really happening. And these individuals are really, you know, they're in danger and these are and it's it's um it's quite touching because you know here i am on the other you know side of the, side of the in this country that's attacking um the, these individuals that i know and all that is really complex and i would say even it was very difficult at the time to even process let me ask you let's go ahead and um focus in on that so how are you feeling you're you're at an airbnb uh, you've got some Russian friends around you, but how how are you feeling now? Um, I mean, I guess at that point, there there was times I I, uh, I would say like for the most part, it just it almost felt like um, I actually spoke to someone about this. I, there was a point where I started feeling so guilty. I felt guilty that I'm over here comfortable. I'm actually still having fun. I'm going to a museum. I'm, I'm telling you, life is normal for me and for many people, at least in the city, it, it didn't seem like there was any panic or ruckus. Um, and yet I'm scrolling through my social media and, you know, there's explosions, there's individuals sleeping in under a subway, there's people fleeing their homes. I'm contacting my friends and friends, friends and asking them how they're doing. I had contacted my Russian Ukrainian friend and she's telling me, yes, like my grandparents are in a car, they're leaving to Poland. And you're just like, what, <laughs> what is happening? I mean, I think there was a couple times where I just scrolling through um, the news through social media, it's just like, I have like tears rolling down my eyes because you empathize with what they're going through and, and you feel helpless. Wow. So, Actually, the emotion there, it sounds like, was uh, the confusion almost or the dissonance of you were very close, perhaps, to this, um, but but it still felt like and yet there wasn't a lot of um, change in your life. L let me ask you this. Um, in St. Petersburg, um, you mentioned that your card. So you mentioned your card stopped working, a few other things. Maybe you could talk to us sort of. Um, what were some of the changes that you experienced and how extensive were they? So for example, if, if I, here in the US, I could imagine, oh, I don't know, maybe there was like a much bigger police presence all of a sudden, mm -hmm. or maybe people were talking about their cousin or their uncle or somebody who was in the war, like who's in, who's in the military or, you know, things like that. Or was it actually none of that? So, you know, paint us a bit of a picture of what changed. Um, well, at least for myself, I think it, it was still a quite minimal, for example, um, Again, it was 24th, 25th, all of a sudden, um, you know, I tried to pay for my taxi. I've ha had paid for it before. I've been using this card this whole time already. It's been like five days. Everything's been working. And all of a sudden, first time I get like a decline. And then I'm, I just start thinking, I was like, okay, maybe it's just, um, you know, the data with my phone and it's not reading my card or something's happening. So I still kind of like brush it off. But I'm already like getting feeling a little bit uneasy about it. Um, I go to my tour. It was like a walking tour of St. Petersburg, a walking tour slash history tour of St. Petersburg. Um, cool. Get back on a taxi, go back home. Again, it declines. I'm like, okay, well, good thing I brought some cash. 
So then um, right next to my Airbnb, there was this little market. So I just like grabbed a Lipton iced tea and I'm just trying to pay for it with a card because I'm like, I want to see, you know, if it's my phone or if it's my card. And again, he tells me, oh, it's declined. I'm like, okay. Uh, I was just like, all right. So then I go, I get into my Airbnb. I call um, my bank. So um, in this case, it was Chase. And I just asked like, hey what's happening and literally I'm on the phone with the with this representative and he's just like you know what um we don't have anything on your he's all like your card has sufficient funds um we don't have any we haven't gotten any alerts for why it shouldn't be working but then he tells me you know he's like I'm watching the news right now and things aren't looking good so he's just like it's probably related to the sanctions to the American sanctions on Russia um and I was just like okay like that sounds reasonable so, I mean, at that point, I'm panicking a little bit because I didn't have a lot of rubles on me. And I'm thinking, well, I still have five more days and I need to get to an airport. You know, I need to eat. Um, and I just have had different expenses planned, but I was sort of even starting to brainstorm like, OK, how am I going to um, how am I going to save this money so that or how am I going to disperse this money so it's going to last me until the day I have to leave in case I can't access any more money um, here? Uh, fortunately, I called my bank and they said, yeah, you should still be able to um, use your, so I had like my Wells Fargo card there, like you should still be okay with that. Next day, I immediately just go to an ATM and I take out some cash just to have some extra on me in case like anything gets worse. Um, and then I think the next thing I would say that um in terms of like myself being affected would be the night before I'm telling you maybe eight hours before my flight it's canceled I, I get a, a an email that says you know your flight from St. Petersburg to Helsinki is canceled um, there's no bookings until there are no bookings until we reassess in one week and that's when all um all red flags go up. I'm just like, what do you mean in one week? And um, I, I actually think my friend had randomly texted me. This is the Russian-Ukrainian friend. Um, her name's Alana. And she had texted me. And she was actually asking if I could bring her. She was going to ask me if I could bring her something back from Russia. But then I immediately text her back. And I'm like, my flight just got canceled. And she's, you know, we get on the phone. And she's just like, all flights have canceled. And, wow. I, yeah. Let me ask you on the dates then. So that was the 24th was sort of the invasion day. 25th is a, is a Friday. 26th is a Saturday. What was the day that you discovered that you didn't have a flight anymore? 27th. So okay, my so contact on 25th and then 27th, I don't have a flight. All right. So you were there for about two days. And those two days, by the way, just to fill in the gap there, what were you doing? And what were other people doing? <laughs> Honestly, again, just like normal stuff normal day like we were um you know I mean I was mostly there like I was literally taking about three six hours of dance classes every day so I was going to and from uh, walking from my Airbnb to the dance classes whenever I had like spare time I would go to the museums the center um everything was normal uh, stores were open restaurants were open it, um, honestly the, I felt like the city was thriving wow and would you say here's a question usually um you know I'm remembering quite a ways back to like 9-11 or other events that you see on TV, you know, in the history books, you know, you get this, this sort of like people rushing to their TVs or just everybody's on their phone. They're all looking like, <laughs> look at this news. I mean, it's a big deal. I and mean, did you encounter anything like that where it felt like the Russian people were like zeroing in on this thing, this massive, you know, news that is happening in their country? I mean, not that I became aware of. I almost feel like, um, and I say that with some reservation, just because at the end of the day, I still feel like I am very isolated from them. It's not like I had, these are people that I had just met. So it's not like I'm going into their homes and watching what they have on TV. It's really me, mostly like, you know, I have classes with them or I have a tour with them and then... Um, I'm, I'm going home. I'm alone. But I mean, let's I mean, one example is on the 25th. It was the day that I had that um, walking tour of St. Petersburg. And you would think that maybe that's the first thing someone mentions, like, oh, um, you know, what a time. Um, 
but no, like it's, again, it's, there's no mention of what's happening um, in terms of, you know, Russia invading Ukraine. And I think one thing actually that I, I missed to say on the 26, yeah, I believe, no, actually it must've been the 25th, the 25th at night. That's when my friend um, had texted me and she was just like, I really think you need to get out of Russia. Like, tomorrow she was just like change your flight just leave tomorrow um but again I guess and and I told her I was just like because everything is so is so normal I think I'll be okay I was just like nothing is happening here everything is normal I think I'm safe um but yeah then the 27 comes and the flight's canceled wow I'm gonna pretend that I didn't just look this up on my phone (laughs) but um I was just looking at the distance between St. Petersburg and, and Ukraine, just in case that sort of signaled anything. And I, I do know that St. Petersburg is quite far north near Helsinki. Moscow yeah. is about halfway in between. So uh, it's possible that, that had some of an effect, huh? Yeah, I, I would say so. Um, I definitely, I mean, I don't know how it was, but I imagine um, things in Moscow maybe were, may have been a little bit, you know, there may have been more conversation about it and whatnot but like St. Petersburg we were pretty far we're pretty far north from what is happening and I I'm trying to remember so I guess moving from when the flight was canceled I again like I immediately got on the phone with my friend um it was about uh maybe 7 p.m um my time a local time in St. Petersburg and you know she's helping me look for flights and it just becomes clear there are no flights coming in or um, in or out of Russia. And then that's when she tells me, you know, go, go to the train station and see if you can get on a train right now. Um, I went to the train station and uh, they're just letting me know, you know, there is a train from, from St. Petersburg to Helsinki, but it's only for Russian citizens and Finnish citizens. So, you know, if you have a U.S. passport, you can't get on. Wow. Oh, wow. Okay. So at this point, you have no flight. <laughs> People are telling you, you need to, you need to get out. Um, you're worried about money. And now you're just trying to find a way out of, out of uh, Russia. Basically, yeah, that's correct. Um, at that point, just because I mean, the fact that like this, there's sanctions on your ability to get out, it just feels like okay, no, like this needs to be taken really seriously. I need to get out because I'm also worried. I mean, at that point, also, like I started thinking, you know, what about if there's counterattacks? What about if other countries start getting involved and you know, they do start attacking Russia? I feel like. St. Petersburg, Moscow are going to be the main cities, you know, main target cities. Could potentially Understandable. be. Cities, Understandable, yeah. of course. Uh, so then uh, how did things go from there? Tell us more. Sure. So um, I'm at the train station, you know, that's not working out. So then um, I actually, uh, again, my Russian is not that great. It's very beginner. Um, so I have my friend, you know, talking to this, this receptionist and um, I'm having her, you know, can you ask her, well, what does she suggest for me? And she's all like, okay, maybe try a bus um, from St. Petersburg to Helsinki. And, but again, once my friend translates, she just says, it just doesn't sound like that's going to happen. Um, in terms of, it sounds like it's very difficult to get to get to to get a bus to Helsinki. So I go back home and I start looking up the this bus ticket and whatnot. And the next bus ticket happens to be until uh, the following Friday. So I, I would still have to wait about a week in Russia. Um, and wow, and- I'm, I'm going <laughs> to note by the way that it's so far north. I had not realized, and so it's February, right? Yes. Um, I mean, are, are roads even open? Are they frozen? I mean, uh, not to be too naive, but it just seems like a really an extreme environment even. Um, it's really cold. Uh, there's, uh, for example, even on, in, on the sidewalks, you know, just depending on the time of day and whatnot, there can be a lot of black ice. Um, some days it's, it's snowing. Um, I actually had a couple of days of like snow falling, but you know, there's definitely a lot of areas that are frozen, but I will say that they, 
I was quite impressed with like their their upkeeping of their roads because I mean cars are still going up and down the city with no problem. Okay. So then, you know, we're all we're all sort of holding our breath here. We know you made it back to America. Tell us <laughs> how. Yeah, so um, I got back home. I was thinking, well, back to the Airbnb, and I was thinking, okay, well, um, I contact my Airbnb host, and I just let him know, hey, I'm having trouble. Can I extend my stay? It looks like maybe Friday um, might be a good day for me to get a bus. But, I mean, that was still, um, I was still not even sure because I actually had to go in person to the bus station, and I was planning to do that just on Monday the following day. Um, Then... But at this point, my my friend and her and her family, because their family, um, so her grandparents that lived in U- who live in Ukraine, they had just fled Ukraine. They had fled fled to Poland. So their family, given everything um, that they have just gone through, there they were very concerned for my safety, and they they just want to get me out now. So we were about. Um, four or five hours looking for transportation. We're looking for, can we get a private taxi to drive me to the border of, um, of border of Finland and, and Russia? And uh, we come to find out that the only way to cross the border, that, um, that Finnish border, you actually have to do it by car. You cannot walk. Because uh, the only option I had was to get dropped off by a taxi at the border and then walk cross the border walking um so then their family called and then they're just letting them know no like right now they're not letting any russian cars cross the border if she crosses um she can try crossing walk she can try cross to cross by getting into basically they were telling me you need to try to hitchhike with a, a finnish people in a finnish car and hope that they'll let you in their car so you can get to finland and I mean, at that point, I was just like, there is no way I'm going to do that. So cold. I run the risk that no one's going to want to, you know, let me in their car and I'm just going to freeze to death. This, um, this sounds crazy town. That's honestly no, my reaction right now. No, I mean, I, at that point, Luz, I was freaking. Luz, I got I to gotta, I gotta stop you there and I got to ask you this, okay? Because this is something I used to tell my clients when they're traveling. Is, okay. Do you know where the closest embassy is? And did you call your embassy? That's a good question. Um, so it's funny because actually one of my friends said, have the embassy's number on speed dial. I did not. Um, I had looked up the embassy just out of curiosity um, when I was in St. Petersburg, like just on my Google Maps, I put U.S. Embassy. And I need to like go back and double check this, but I swear that the U.S. Embassy that was in St. Petersburg, I believe is permanently closed. So the next embassy is in And I would have to confirm that, but I, I want to say that was the case. Um, at this point, it's about, um, it's already like midnight, one in the morning. I'm still talking to my friends. So the embassy, in any case, it's closed. I was thinking of like calling them the following morning. Um, and then my friend, actually, she called, She was, she's in the States, she's in California, right? And she's talking to me. So it's um, more, it's, it was like afternoon over there. And she calls the embassy from um, from the States that, like, I guess, or some number. She, like, looked up some embassy number and she calls and she just says, um, there's just a, a robot that answers and hangs up on you. And I was like, oh, okay, cool. And, you know, at this point, like, we're also online, like, trying to read um, how to contact the embassy. How is, uh, can the U.S. help you? What to do if you're an American in Russia right now and you're trying to get back home? And... Honestly, at least from the news, and I'm, I'm not sure if you guys actually heard it because I did, but basically um, there was a lot of conversations how, like, the U.S. is not going to help you. Like, they were basically, it's almost like they felt like they gave you a fair warning. If you're there, that's your problem. Um, I should break in here with an infomercial. I know a thing or two about embassies and um, <laughs> just say that um, both of those things are true. One, that there are there can be an um, a belief that there's sort of more hope coming than is really feasible. Um, mm-hmm. At the same time, they, um, there's a website, travel.state.gov, where you can sign up for um, basically alerts in whatever country you're in. And they will sort of issue, usually by text, email, all of the above, 
lo- the, whatever the local social media platforms are, um, they'll sort of issue a consistent uh, set of upbeats, um, sorry, updates, um, just notifying, say, you know, this is the current status, this is what we recommend, um, et cetera. So I, I, um, I believe they were actually issuing like recommendations. Anyway, I, w- I don't know for sure. I'd have to go back and look. But um, at the same time, I've, I've, I've seen the frustration that people experience sort of um, hoping to get something in a, in, when they're in a tight spot. And it's not always possible. But um, in your case, uh, it sounds like you uh, were just looking for some sort of help, huh? Yeah, I mean, at least, yeah, I mean, basically, I wanted to know, will I be able to get out of here? Because um, I also had called my airline, and they have told me, you know, we're going to reassess in one week. They said, we don't promise that we can get you out in one week, but we will reassess. Um, So really, my biggest concern was that in one week of reassessment, the flights are still going to be canceled. Um, So that's sort of, you know, I wanted to hear at least from the embassy, well, what's, what's your plan? You know, there's, there's certainly, I'm, I'm certain that I'm not the only American trying to get back home. Uh, and I just wanted to know kind of what are my next steps. But um, all that being said, so my friends, um, I, it was like one, two in the, okay. So by, at this point, it's like two in the morning, um, local time in St. Petersburg. I'm still trying to find or, you know, come up with a game plan as to what I'm going to do. Although by two in the morning, I was kind of convicted to, okay, you know, I had already um, extended my stay at the Airbnb uh, five more days. And I was just like, you know, I'll I'll see what happens in five more days. I'll just stay here. I'll, you know, have to email my my work and let them know what's happening. And, you know, fortunately, I was just like, at least so far, everything is safe here. So I should be okay. But um, I did have my friends, you know, on the other side, they were calling me probably, you know, every five, 10 minutes, trying to um, suggest, you know, a way for, for me to get out. And actually, finally, at one point, I believe my friend's father got into contact with someone. And they're just like, you know, it's a private taxi company, they can get you to um, the, they can get you across um, Estonia. So you can actually uh, go through Estonia and then you will have to fly from Estonia to Finland. And that's how you will get to your flight. So um, to your flight on time. So I, I, I mean, the, the flight that was canceled was the flight from St. Petersburg to Helsinki, but the Helsinki flight to LAX was still happening. So th- at that point, uh, my friends, they were just trying to get me to my flight on time to back home. And um, my friend just lets me know, she's like, can you be ready in one hour? Like, can you pack everything and get get in this car and go to Estonia in one hour? Um, and I'm just like, okay, I'll do it. Um, so it's at this point, I'm packed. It's three in the morning. I get a call from my friend. She says, the taxi's outside waiting for you. And I, I go. <laughs> And fortunately, there was actually one other woman who was trying to get out of Russia. She's from, well, she lives in London. I believe she, she's Armenian um, and lives in London. And yeah, and I, I, I mean, I, I felt like, oh, good thing I'm not alone because, I mean, it's three in the morning. You don't know this person. This person talks very little English. I talk very little Russian. So, I mean, a lot of things can go wrong. And I had already gotten messages of, for example, um, one friend that I met in, in Russia, she's originally from China, but she's been studying in Russia for five years. And she just tells me, whatever you do, don't get in a taxi with a guy by yourself. She's like, it's dangerous. And I was like, okay, this is happening. Um, so I, I get in, everything feels normal. I'm sharing my location with my friend. She's following. She says, you know, let, you know, send me updates every now and then just to make sure that you're okay. Don't pay the taxi driver until you reach the airport in Estonia. I say, okay. So um, we drive some two, three hours and we, 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 ah, sorry, we reach some sort of border, Um, check documents. He lets us go. We're still driving in the car and, you know, and here it's very interesting because actually on both sides all you just see it's like straight road just snow and forest and you know once in a while you have like bumpy road because of the ice on the road um 
and it's really dark, obviously. And then we get to a point where there's actually, um, I wish I could see it on a map, but there's essentially, there's like a river um, once you reach Estonia and the guy just stops by the river and he tells us like, now you need to get out of the car. And I'm just like, whoa, what's happening? Um, he said, you need to get out of the car and you need to pay me. But I'm just like, I was told I was going to get dropped off at an airport. This is not an airport. Um, and so I call up my friend and I'm just like, hey, this is happening. He's asking me to pay. What do I do? And she talks to him and he and she tells me, you know, he told me that you're going to cross the border walking. It's a, a little less than a mile that you have to walk. And then um, there's going to be another car that's going to pick you up. And she kind of just tells me, you know what, let's just trust that he's being honest. And I was like, okay. <laughs> um, so I do, I cross the border walking myself and this woman were, were walking together and we're both just kind of in shock. We're like, I feel like we're in a movie and I feel like we're, we're doing something illegal. <laughs> um, this just, it feels like we're running, like we're, um, yeah, like we're running away um and fortunately you know we do walk that about half a mile less than it was less than half a mile um and there is a car that picks us up so that was fortunate and after that it was another three hours let me ask you really quick Um, first of all just to set the scene for for folks following following at home um this is so estonia is due south of finland it's um and the it looks like let's see what's this body of water it's just the gulf of finland and there's a little river that cuts down called narva river um and as far as i can tell that was probably the river you were crossing and i wanted to ask you usually when you go from one country to another there's somebody you know in a little booth at least um you know with a little stamp or something's gonna ask for your passport did anything like that happen yes um so we had a couple actually uh people ask for our passport so one was right before the we actually reached that um that river and that was uh seemed like some russian army person just wanting to take a look at our passports before we continue um then after that once we were walking yes we you do go like there's just one room and um right before you cross that bridge um and there was a woman who you know, is looking at our our passport. And, you know, it's actually very interesting because I'm so used to crossing the border between um, Mexico and <laughs> Mexico and California. And um, it's much different. I mean, the, she was literally with a magnifying lens looking at my passport, um, trying to, I guess, verify that it's a legitimate passport. She was looking at my picture, looking at my face. She's like, can you smile? <laughs> like my, like the picture <laughs> on your passport and it was just so uncomfortable probably like uh five ten minutes of that or it felt like 10 minutes i guess um but yeah then she she lets us cross uh what what time of day was this by the way and were there other people there no we were the only ones there so it was only um two of us there and then the two workers the security guard and then the the administrator looking i guess the border control or whatnot um and it was about must have been around five in the morning okay yeah wow. like five six in the morning um still very dark doesn't get i mean at this point for example just to give you an idea probably you don't get at least some light in this area until maybe 10 yeah around 10 in the morning 10 11 in the morning okay wow because uh, you're actually close to the artist circle i noticed yeah um, so Okay, incredible. So you're, and then there's like a bridge at that point, something like that, but go ahead, please. Yeah, so basically there's a bridge over the, over the river. You're, you're just crossing it. You're, you're walking, um, car, you know, it, it has like that walking path and then like the car's path and we're just walking on, you know, for pedestrians. And then at that point, you, the, we reach another building. And again, we have to go through like some, some passport control. So again, someone's looking at our, our passport, gives us a stamp. Um, and after that, that's where when we exit it and um, there's the, the car waiting for us, the taxi waiting for us. And 
from there we drove three hours to so we're in Estonia at this point already and we drive three hours um, west to get to Tallinn so um, Tallinn I mean honestly I, I didn't never even Estonia has never even crossed my mind I've don't know much of Estonia myself. Um, so, but I know Tallinn, I guess it's a pretty big city, could be even the capital actually. Um, and there's an airport um, there that I was, that we were being driven to. And same as uh, the road was pretty similar to the road in um, Russia in terms of just like the sides, just literally just a blanket of snow, uh, forest and straight road like there's nothing on the road and nothing new no no gas stations no I mean I mean sometimes you reach like these areas where there's like two three cabins in between it's very interesting at least um and as I'm as we're driving I'm still you know keeping in touch with my friends um and since everything is looking good for for myself at that point, my friend says, okay, should I buy you the flight from Tallinn to Helsinki? And I said, yes, please. I said, I think we're going to make it on time. Everything seems good. Can you purchase a flight? And she's doing it because I have really poor data. So, it, I mean, my phone wouldn't be able to process this purchase. So um, she moves forward trying to buy me the flight. And she says, you know what, the flight that was from Tallinn to Helsinki has been canceled. And, oh, no. Yeah. Uh. <laughs> and I was like, okay. Um, and then she's just like, let me see if there's any other way that you can get to Helsinki. So she starts looking some things up and she saw like, I found a ferry and I was like, okay, let's go. Like, can you purchase it? Purchase the ticket. And she said, yeah. So um, she purchases the ticket. I told the driver, you know, instead of taking me to the airport, can you take me to the port? And um, it was fine. Yeah, she took me to the port and uh, I've at the port and we had to wait hours. And at that point, I get on a ferry, but actually it looked more like a cruise. It was very large. Um, I get on a boat, basically. And for two hours, uh, you know, we go, we head on our way to Helsinki. I I'm in Helsinki, and from Helsinki, I basically uh, get out of the port, and I order an Uber to the airport Helsinki. I, <laughs> at this point, I get to the airport in Helsinki. I, I actually already had my boarding pass because I had already checked in for my LAX flight since it was canceled. So, um, like, just a, some hours right before I had, I was already able to check in and whatnot. So I was able to, you know, go through security and I have my boarding pass. I get to the gate and I just let them know because I, ha I have heard that sometimes you might experience problems when you don't um, do the proper connecting flights that you were supposed to do. Uh -huh. Yeah. So then I get to the gate and I let her know, you know, I wasn't able to do a connecting flight, but I found my way here. Is everything okay? And she looks at my boarding pass and she's just like, you're not on the flight list. I'm just like, what do you mean? Um, she's just like, yeah, we canceled because we figured you weren't going to be able to get here. And uh, she just says, like, let me call some people and see if you can get on the flight. And I was just like, okay. I mean, obviously at that point, I'm really nervous as well because I'm just like, I did not just take this, you know, I did not just go through this whole experience just to not, you know, be sent back to some hotel in, in Helsinki. Um, and fortunately everything worked out. They, they were able to add me back on the flight list. But I mean, even that was just really interesting because actually once I got, um, home uh, to LAX, when I was going through customs for some reason, they were, so they were checking my passport and whatnot. And then they're just like, where did you come from? You're all, your name is not on any flight. So it was just really bizarre. I had to spend some time in customs just so they could, um, call the airline, make sure that I was on board and that everything was okay. So, but then, you know, I, I made it home safely. So that was the, you know, the happy ending to the story. This wow. is incredible. Yeah. Can I, sorry, Jose, I should probably let you ask away. Um, let me ask one more because this is really incredible. Um, but I just wanted to know along this, along the way from, 
you know, even the Airbnb folks, the taxi drivers, the people at the border, et cetera, how, how were they reacting to, mm-hmm. you know, this young American kind of on her own, like showing up over and over again? Um, or even you might comment on your, uh, your friend uh, from London. I imagine mm-hmm. you guys will keep in touch. But um, yeah, tell us about that. Well, um, at least, for example, I would say the people from Russia, like the Airbnb host, the driver, they were all very helpful. So they just realized, you know, it was almost like they sympathized with how I must feel um, because I felt like they were really going the extra mile. I know my Airbnb host, as soon as he found out that I was struggling, he was, he said, you know what, like, let me look into it. I'll call some companies to see. And uh, taxi driver, I mean, again, because of the language barriers, it's not like I can get a lot from them, but they were at least very, very helpful, very kind to me. Um, maybe the only sort of pushback that I got was actually at the different um, port control areas that I had to pass. That there was just like a lot of reservation. Almost, they didn't understand. One, what are you doing here? Um, and you know, like, how did you get here? I remember actually at one point someone asked. Yeah, I think it was in Estonia. They were like, "You got here by car." <laughs> and they were just really confused and I was like yeah it was just like the flight got canceled so I I was able to find a taxi that drove that drove me here and they were just very surprised and almost um it almost felt like there was like some suspicion you know um like they, they just were unsure of who I was and what I was doing um that is quite quite interesting um and I can actually appreciate you know what they may have uh yeah, uh, you were probably raising red flags in some way because you're outside the norm. I mean, I yeah, I'm amazed honestly at the at the path that you were able to take. Uh, totally amazed. Um, Jose, sorry, I'm stealing your questions. Please. I think you know what Luz answered all my questions. I, I the whole time I'm like anxious and I'm like <laughs> grinding my my teeth and also like clutching my fists because I'm like I can't believe you went through that, Luz. But I, it's just a, that's an adventure that you'll never forget mm. in your life. Like, that's a story. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, I think, and maybe it wraps it up a little bit. It, it's almost like bittersweet. You know, once you land back home, I felt, while I'm home, I'm safe. On the other hand, I can open social media. I could scroll through it. And, you know, there's still these other individuals, specifically the friends that I have in Ukraine that are and again, it was just like struggling with that feeling of just guilt of this sucks. Like I, I, I'm, I'm lucky and fortunate to be able to go to a country in which I'm not experiencing what the displacement that they are experiencing right now. And I think that's also one way that I was describing the journey. The whole time I was trying to get back home from St. Petersburg to LAX, um, as I was connecting with different friends um, during the journey, I would just tell them I feel very displaced during this journey. And but I would also mention I can't even imagine how the people of Ukraine feel because they are also going through similar journeys trying to get out of the country, but their life is in danger. Wow, this is amazing. Um, Sorry, I'm going to break in. I'm going to ask a few more questions. Oh, okay. Okay. <laughs> Unless you might. Do you, have, do you have time, Luz? Yeah, I do. All right, cool. Um, yeah, just because, um, I mean, all right, I have several, actually. Here's one. Um, how did, you know, tell us about your mom and your other family members. What what did they say about it during and after? Mm-hmm. Um, well, I would say, like, for example, at least for myself, I'm just very uh, close to my mom and my sister, so... My mom was very calm about it. I think she was, uh, for example, she was telling me, you know, like I have family members, you know, from from Mexico. I have family members um, that also live in California. She's like, you know, I have your tia, your your tia, your tío, your grandma Colleen, and they're worried about you. Are you okay? When are you going to get back home? But she's just like, I just keep telling them that you're okay, that you're calling me, and you've told me everything's fine. 
And she, I don't know, like, my mom just carries herself very calmly because she, I think she just has, like, a awareness that if she starts um, getting anxiety, freaking out, it's going to scare me. <laughs> so she was just, like, trying to, and like, ensure security in me. And she just kept telling me, I know you wouldn't put yourself at risk. I know that, uh, you know, you know what you're doing. You know what's best. So I trust you. Um and I mean, same thing. I feel like uh, my sister, very similar. They were all just being very supportive of the decisions that I was making them as I was making them and seeing how they can help. I had many friends who were offering to send me um, money or, I mean, really, I, I think that's the only way they felt that they could help. Um, but I mean, fortunately, you know, all that was not needed, but it was still really appreciated. And um, uh, in terms of like my other family, I probably the the only other person that was like worried sick was my dad <laughs> um yeah he's I'm, I mean I'm the youngest one of my siblings I'm his little girl so he was he was freaking out uh, I believe it um, <laughs> that's incredible all right somewhat maybe in the same vein emotionally um I'm just curious what you know you just went through this quite an experience I mean you've only got about a week of um less than a week of retrospect what do you feel like you learned um, I mean, one really big point that I think I would recommend anyone who's traveling, and it's something that you actually mentioned earlier, it's, you know, as where, wherever you're going to travel, set up those notifications, whether, I don't know if it's Google Alerts or whatever other notifications out there you can find. Um, so you can get like up-to-date news if anything goes wrong or, you know, at the end of the day, I think wherever you're going, you should just be kind of aware of like what's the state of things, what the state of things are. Um, so I would definitely, I feel like that's one thing I learned. The other one is um, definitely know, uh, know your embassy contact um, and sort of like have an emergency plan, have an emergency plan. And the last thing I would say, which I think coincides with the emergency plan is, Part of your emergency plan should be having, you know, like uh, some sort of like local money uh, ready in case, you know, something like that happens in which like you can't access your bank or your credit cards or whatnot. Um, just have some some safety reserves so you can actually be able to, for example, travel in an emergency or buy food. Let me ask you this, Luce. Would you do this again if you could go back two weeks, three weeks, would you, would you say, oh, yo tuve miedo and I just didn't go and I'm glad or, or is it the opposite? No, it's the opposite. Um, it, this was actually my second time going to Russia and um, I did get, <laughs> I actually got a multiple year visa because I do plan on going back. I obviously hope that I will, I will wait until it's, you know, better times. Hopefully this conflict is not going going to go on for years I know um, some people are really scared that this is going to last a long time or that it's really going to disrupt our ability um, or disrupt the ability for many to travel to Russia uh, travel to Ukraine um, but I mean you know I like of course I was I was scared but I I don't think I it it's also like um it's also in a, in a really strange way, like a confidence, uh, confidence builder, because I, you just went through something that was really scary, but you were able to do it and you were okay at the end of the day. And honestly, after this experience, I do feel more confident in my ability to um, go through such um, challenges. And then I also just really felt a lot of support from my family, friends and colleagues, where I was just like, wow, you know, the people that showed up for me, I it, it really touched me. Oh, that's incredible. Um, I probably am drawing this interview out, but I, I guess I just have one more question. This is a big one. Um, what would you say to people who are watching the news over there um, about what they might, you know, what would you say about the people of Russia or the people of Ukraine that you feel like you know because you've been there, um, you know, in terms of their humanity and what they may be experiencing? What what can you tell us about that? Yeah, um, I mean, I think that's, a, it's a very tricky um, question. And I just say that because at the end of the day, like, I'm neither Russian nor Ukrainian. Um, but I have had the experience of being and being there and also being in relationship with 
both uh, people or people from each country. And one thing that I at least um, have subscribed to is this thought that this war is not, you know, I, I'm sure you probably, you all have at least maybe seen it at least once where they're, they're saying like, this is not the war of Russian people. It is the war of one person. Um, and I, I really do subscribe to that. I believe that many Russian people, I haven't spoken to them, you know, all to, to verify this, but for me, it seems like the Russian people don't want this. Um, and I think they're as disgusted at what is happening as we all are, as the world is. And, you know, really what I hope is that, especially for the Ukrainian people who are, you know, being directly affected by this Russian invasion. And I've seen a lot of hate messages um, towards, you know, the country, towards the people. And I hope that it's not for that we can get to a point where where there isn't this generalized hate, you know, among two different countries and, you know, two different people that I, I, I think just because of their history, you know, many Ukrainians have family in Russia, many Russians have family in Ukraine. Um, they're related, some are related and, and some are not, but I just hope that this hatred doesn't become something that is just generalized, especially um, because again, I, 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 it is my belief just from my experience that it is not the war, a war being driven by, you know, all people in Russia or even most people in Russia. I don't think so. That was a really wonderful way to put it. And I really appreciate it. I feel like I've learned uh, a lot about that area just from what you're telling us um, and your experiences. And it's pretty incredible, right? That um, that happens to be two countries that you've recently spent time in and met people. And um, that is quite an experience. Yes, it was. And it was really nice to be able to talk about it. And I think it, um, at the end of the day, I think it will also help me process this whole experience. So thank you. Thank you, Lewis. Thank you for um, having this conversation uh, with us. Awesome. All right. Well, I'll, I guess I'll edit it and, and cut it up and chop it up and release it. How's that? Awesome. Thank you all for listening today. I hope we all gained some insight about traveling. Future episodes are now being edited, and we hope to release more information episodes. Keep tuning in. Thank you to our many listeners abroad and across the country. Without you, we would not be doing this. Thank you.